Uh, there's all kinds of free resources out there. You don't even have to pay someone really the big bucks to write you a really good program. Uh, you could probably find it for free, depending on what your goals are. Hello, and welcome to ADHD Essentials, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at brendan at adhdessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? I have two upcoming live events that I will be a part of that I'd like to share with you. The first is a webinar for attitude.com, A-D-D-I-T-U-D-E.com. That takes place on Tuesday, February 2nd at 1 p.m. Eastern. I will be presenting on When Teen Stress Ignites Strong Emotions, Teaching Anger and Frustration Management. And once again, that takes place on Tuesday, February 2nd at 1 p.m. Eastern. The link will be in the show notes. The second event is the Time to Thrive 2021 Summit. This is a five-week free program that's going on right now, created by my colleague, Lynn Edris. On Friday, February 5th, at 11 a.m. Eastern, I will be discussing how to improve communication with emotions and logic. Again, that will take place on Friday, February 5th, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And that link will also be in the show notes. As usual, a big thank you to Jeffrey Gordon for his help editing this episode. And also, check out our partner podcasts, ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers and Hacking Your ADHD with Will Curb. They're both phenomenal and incredibly helpful resources for those of us working on better managing our ADHD. Welcome to the show. Today, we're talking to Gabriel Villarreal. Gabriel is an ADHD coach, as well as a strength and conditioning coach, and the owner of Lost Boys Strength and Conditioning and ADHD Counseling in the Roanoke Valley of Virginia. In today's episode, Gabriel talks to us about using exercise as part of our ADHD treatment plan. We discuss how exercise affects the brain in ways that help us manage our ADHD symptoms, the importance of having a plan for exercising, ways to get moving more, even during COVID, and giving kids more credit. All right, let's get rolling. Gabriel Villarreal, a licensed professional counselor in the state of Virginia. I own Lost Boy Strength and Conditioning and ADHD Counseling in the Roanoke Valley, and I specialize in exercise and mental health between both uh, jobs between both fields. Uh, most specifically, I, I specialize in ADHD and ADHD and exercise. Awesome. And when you were last on forever and ever ago, you were just getting started on that road. So it's cool to see you being like, and now this is what I do. Yeah, absolutely. I was re-listening to our podcast um, a few months ago when we said that we we wanted to do this. And I was like, what did we talk about? Where was I? And uh, it was almost three years ago. My son had not been born yet and I didn't have my license yet. So a lot has changed. And I would probably say as much has changed since COVID began, 
has changed prior to uh, COVID beginning and our first podcast. Let's play with that because mental health and exercise are both being affected by COVID. You've got like an ebook. 100%. Yeah, you've got an ebook that I'll share the link to and all that fun stuff for the people listening that talks about the importance of connecting exercise and and mental health, specifically ADHD. What are you seeing now that COVID has hit, now that we're nine months into it or whatever, COVID's like can have its own baby at this point. What what are you kind of experiencing with your clients? Anxiety. I don't have a client at my practice that doesn't have anxiety. My general rule of thumb when I am telling talking to parents about their ADHD is uh, just so parents know the likelihood that, that their child will experience anxiety or depression with their ADHD diagnosis is like 50%. You know, heads, uh, they're going to be anxious. Tails are going to be depressed at some point in their life. The statistics are just not that apparent, but they're pretty close uh, that it's a, a fair assumption to say. And so I think what uh, what we're seeing now is because of the unknown of COVID, the, the, the coins have sort of been forced to land on, on anxiety. And so, yeah, I don't have a client that doesn't have anxiety right now. And even at my gym, so, so at my gym, I, I coach classes for adults and I coach classes specifically for kids with ADHD. Um, even with my adults, a lot of them, I would probably say 70% of them are experiencing anxiety on some level. Um, and I think that's just the nature of, of COVID. You know, even back in March, I was sort of chicken little running around saying like, anxiety is going to go through the roof in a couple of months. Depression is going to go through the roof in a couple of months. Suicide is going to go up uh, through the roof in a couple of months. And it wasn't until probably June or July that we started experiencing that, or, or we started seeing that more overtly as opposed to uh, we kind of think that they're experiencing this. You're being even more gentle than I am usually outside of COVID. I say, yeah, if you have ADHD, you're going to be affected by anxiety. Sure. It might not be clinical anxiety, and that might be the hair you're splitting. You might be like 50% clinical. I'm just like, no, you're going to get hit by anxiety if you have ADHD because they're best friends. Well, let me qualify that statement real quick. <laughs> so it's like the likelihood because of your ADHD that you have anxiety or depression is like 50%. And then it goes up that you'll because you have anxiety or because you have depression, you'll have the other. Right. So like they go hand in hand. So I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. And then COVID hits and I'm, and I'm, I'm seeing the same stuff, not just in my clients, but in my family, right? Like we're all getting yes. rocked by anxiety. And I know, I know personally, I'm starting to hit a wall now. I've been sort of going like, yeah, I'm built for this when this hit was, that was sort of my approach was like, it's parenting challenges and, and connection and navigating all that stuff. And I was like, I can do this. But since March, I've basically been in the house with my kids 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yep. And I'm starting to struggle. I was honestly, I was doing okay. And two or three weeks ago, my sensei said to me, Hey, so you're testing for your black belt in a year. And it was like, and that, I think that's what put me over the edge was it's one more variable. Cause I've been, I've been continuing to train. Obviously he wouldn't be telling Good for you. Me, yeah. He wouldn't be telling me that I'm can test in a year if I wasn't training, but I haven't been, it's been, the training has been largely when class happens, right? So it's like, we go on Tuesdays, we, we train in a parking lot and it's getting colder. So we train on Tuesdays, me and the boys have a private lesson on Thursdays. There's an adult class at seven o'clock at night. And then on Saturday mornings, there's a kid's class. And I, so I do those. Cool. And every now and then I do a virtual thing. Like we're over the internet where I'm in my basement, mm -hmm. but not as reliably as I would like. 
but I'm not, it's not like I'm pushing my forms on a random Monday because, or every consistently every Monday or anything like that. I'm just not, I don't have the bandwidth. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh crap, I have to find that bandwidth. I haven't yet. Uh, but that extra like, oh, is I think what, what threw me over the edge. And so part of, part of why I'm a little, being a little selfish in this podcast is one of the things I'm wondering about is, I mean, Kempo is exercise effectively. Mm-hmm. How do we fit that in? How, like, are, do you have any tips on finding the time, finding the bandwidth, finding the motivation, the energy, whatever term you want to use? I'm sure there's plenty of both kids and adults at home that would benefit from exercising more. I know most of our country would benefit from exercising more. <laughs> yeah. When my boys and I get our exercise in, in the morning, we have better days, but even that isn't consistent as, as it should be. So I, I think one of one thing uh, that might be really helpful, especially for ADHDers, but just for everyone in general, is if you don't have a plan, it's not going to work out. So if you show up to Planet Fitness and you've never done anything and the expectation is I'm going to get my dose of medication via exercise for my ADHD today, the likelihood that, that happens is slim to, to none. It's just not going to happen because you don't know what to do. And then you go in the next day and you're like, okay, I did this. So what can I do next? And you're not going to know. And then you make things up and you don't make consistent progress. You might not get that same dose of medication. And so then you just give up because you're not making any progress and you don't know what to do. And it's frustrating. And uh, it's just a plan to fail. So my first suggestion would be find a a program um, and stick to it. Find a program that you think that you can consistently do for an extended period of time. At my gym, I don't train anyone for less than three months. There's just no point. You're not going to make any gains. And then after a month, you're going to leave and say, I didn't make any gains at at lost boy strength conditioning. They're not a good gym. Like, well, no, you only did it for for a month, working out three days a week and you were late sometimes and and you didn't show up some days. Um, So it's not a fair assessment. So three months really is sort of the gold standard that, that we want to look at when we're trying something new or really planning anything. Um, I think as I've gotten older, my plan is like working out wise, like what are my goals for this year? What are my, what is my 12 months goals for exercise? Um, and prior to my son, it was, um, you know, a powerlifting meet that I wanted to do. And so what does my training look like, you know, five days a week when I had the time of like two hours in the gym every, every day, uh, what does that look like? And then now it's completely shifted, not because exclusively because of COVID, but, um, also just because my son is getting older and he needs more time, uh, more of my time. And so what does that look like? What does that look like over the next 12 months? Um, and do you have a plan for that or do you just have a plan for this week? So I would really invest in a coach. I would really invest in a program. Uh, there's all kinds of free resources out there. You don't even have to pay someone really the big bucks to write you a really good program. Uh, you could probably find it for free depending on what your goals are. Yeah. And one of the things you mentioned, there's a lot in there that I want to unpack. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. Uh, one of the things you mentioned from the start of that was you're referring to exercise as medication. Yeah. So walk us through that. What does that look like? What does that mean? How is exercise medication for ADHD? Sure. So um, when you take a stimulant or non-stimulant medication, the goal is to pull out or elicit dopamine and norepinephrine, which help regulate the hyperactivity and the impulsivity of uh, the ADHD or 
And this is sort of a really fast few. I've, I've had under, other interviews and I have articles on my website that really dive deep into all this stuff. And my book dives deep into all this stuff. But this is a bird's eye view. Uh, when you exercise and you hit a certain heart rate threshold, uh, your your brain produces dopamine and norepinephrine. And so it's it's not a stretch to say that if these two things are producing the same results, exercise is in fact medication. Uh, everyone's different. so And there also isn't just like medication, like you might be fine with 10 milligrams of Adderall and I might need 25. Uh, you might be okay with a three mile run where I might need a six mile run to get those benefits. So really nailing down what works for you and finding that thing, that dosage in quotes of exercise is really important. Mm -hmm. And dopamine is, it's the brain's anticipation and reward chemical. It makes us want to do stuff. It makes it easier to start things. It helps balance our mood. And then norepinephrine is really helping us manage stress and anxiety. Correct. And both of those are being affected by ADHD. They're just not mm -hmm. as available to folks with ADHD. So using exercise to increase that availability is critical. Yeah. And one of the, you know, uh, what I always say is just after exercise and, and you get your correct dosage, there's about a 30 to 90 minute window of, of some of that medication effect. However, the important thing to know is this is we're also talking about the long game. Okay. So the, the chronic exerciser, the person that's like me, I did the math. I've been working out for half of my life for at least three days a week for the last 16 years. So that person, their ability to produce dopamine and norepinephrine more readily is increased. Um, and so the theory is that if you have a eight-year-old or younger, by the time they're in college, uh, they should be uh, more easily producing these chemicals to be quote unquote neurotypical, at least in their ability to cope with their ADHD. Awesome. And that's one of the tricky pieces with COVID happening, right? Is like, how do we get our kids exercising regularly? I know, I mean, I try to lean on my personal experience when I can. My boys were on a ropes course program. We've got one out, out by us. And, and it's a lot of the stuff I'm trying to do is like outside, right? All the COVID stuff is be outside and you're not at risk as much for the spread of COVID. Right, right. So, right. I mean, a ropes course, you're on a platform, even if there's someone ahead of you, they have to be on the next platform in order for you to get on the one you're on. And that's at least 30 feet away. So not that stressful. So my boys did that for seven weeks. And then, I don't know, a week or two after they were done with that, because it just ended and it was getting cold, their mood was noticeably different. They were, and that was once a week. Mm -hmm. They were noticeably more anxious, noticeably struggling more, noticeably more depressed mm -hmm. and having more challenges with stuff. And I don't doubt for a second that a lot of that was the exercise. I think another component of that was doing the ropes course, even though they, in fact, because they were often going over the same course again and again, they were seeing gains. They were seeing improvement and changes and getting better and feeling that sense of accomplishment and skill. And all of a sudden that was gone because the program ended. Right. So that's a piece of exercise that is useful, not just the, the dopamine neuropinephrine part, but also I know I'm getting stronger because now I can do 15 pushups before I could do 10 or whatever. So that's in here too, I'm assuming. It is. And, and to your point about them being noticeably more moody, uh, there's a good chunk of data that supports that. They actually took a bunch of like chronic exercisers and told them you can't work out for the next like month. And they wanted to observe what would happen to them. And they spiraled into anxiety and depression like almost immediately. 
and they they've retested this and that's that's what they're seeing is is the brain kind of craves this this thing this brain craves movement um and you think about any other time in our you know uh the lifespan of the human we're always moving like we're never not moving only uh maybe in the last 50 60 years are we sedentary you know we don't have these manual labor jobs we have tech jobs where we sit you know behind a camera and, and podcast we're not you know walking uh, chopping wood and, and carrying lumber into the house. And so we were designed to do this. And so it only makes sense that if we're not doing this, the brain is sad. <laughs> we should be using what we have. Yeah, I, I concur. And uh, that's that's where I am right now is I'm like, I, my guys need to move more. Yeah. Kempo twice a week is not enough for them. And even every now and then, like we'll miss a class for whatever reason, right? Like it, we're in a parking lot. If it rains, we're not having class. If it's cold, we have class, but if it rains or is snowing or something, class gets canceled. One canceled class and the three of us are less like happy with the world where the three of us are just a little more downtrodden, a little more like tired. Isn't the right word, but just, we have less energy. It's not even a, you're lethargic. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And it's, we're only there for like 45 minutes to an hour, but it, it's important. Right. And so one of the things that we're looking at is skiing. We just, that's kind of our mission statement for the winter. Cause I live in the Northeast and it's like, man, it's getting cold. Like, how do we, how do we make that happen? And I'm willing to like, I'll go outside and suffer. Right. It's, and I'll kind of like, we talked about in the first step time you were on, right. The struggle makes us stronger and I'm willing I'm willing to make the cold part of the struggle, right? Like, yeah, it's cold out, but I can still carry this big heavy weight around my yard or something. Sure. I have to like think it that way though. It's not like I can just go outside and be like, whatever. But my boys aren't quite there yet. They're they're 11, they're going to be 12 soon. They're not quite like, yeah, it's 32 degrees out. And that makes this more interesting or more. Have they rock, watched Rocky Four yet? That might be the problem. That's next. Rocky Four is the next Rocky movie on our list. Then I just solved your problem. They just watch that training montage in the <laughs> snow, get them a log that they can you do squats in. And they're going to be like, I wish I could grow a beard. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. How would you go about addressing that? I know you're in Virginia. You guys don't get cold like we get cold up here. Is your is your gym inside and that's part of the benefit? Are you like, how does, what does that look like? And how would you advise navigating colder weather? Yeah, let's, let's tackle the, the gym first. So what I've done, we are inside. And if we think back to, what my gym looks like if we think back to Rocky three when Apollo Creed takes uh, Rocky to, to the to tough gym uh, in the basement. That's kind of what my gym looks like. It's in the basement. You can hear like water trickling somewhere. Who knows where it's coming from? Um, it's dingy. It's dark. And so what we've done, it, there's no circulation either. So what we've done is I've separated all the classes into household only. Um, so unless you're living with the other person that's coming to class, you can't come. Um, which has worked out well just because my gym is private invitation only for the adults. And then for uh, the kids, it's sort of like herding cats. You're, you're, you're going over all these rules with, with parents. Uh, these are the guidelines that we need to, to make sure happen. And uh, thankfully, the, the class that I am running, uh, the families are potting together. So that's fine. And then currently, I'm only running one class, but everything else is just one to one stuff anyways. Um, so that's sort of how I've gotten around that. And then uh, as far as advice for families that are that are up in your your area, um, I you know, I shared with you, I 
you grew up in, in Montreal, lived there for six years, you know, there would be days when mom and dad would come out and be like, you guys have to come inside. It's too, it's cold. And we're like, jackets unzipped, you're hot because you're running around and, and doing stuff. And so I, um, just like at the beginning of quarantine, everyone bought up all the gym equipment. Parents need to be doing that with like winter gear, I think. Um, I just did that. My son is two. I just did that we, for a week. We didn't really go on our daily walks. And so because it was too, it was uh, abnormally cold for this time of year. We just didn't have that stuff yet. And so that weekend I went to, to Target and I was like, here's, you know, a few hats. Here's a few mittens. Um, here's some thicker pants. And we're, we're, we're going outside. He's two. He doesn't know the difference. Like he's, it's, I, I'm outside. That's awesome. And so I think um, for, for some of our, a, a lot of our kids, I think that just needs to be the goal. It's, it's, if we think of it as medication as well, we can also just say like, we don't argue about taking your meds and you, you might, but at the end of the day, it's like, you still have to take it. So it's like, put this thing on and go outside and you'll look, we all have ADHD on, you know, your listeners outside with the stick, they will find something to do. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. My Nate basically hit the COVID wall yesterday. He was like, this is never going to end. I'm not ever going to see my friends again. And even if I can, I'm not going to be able to actually interact with them. I'm going to have to stay six feet away from them. And I don't even know how far six feet is really. I don't really understand that. Poor guy. It was, he was like, he hit the wall. Yeah. And he wasn't crying. And that was the hardest part for me as the dad was he was just sad. He wasn't angry. He wasn't frustrated. He was just like, this is just how it is forever. Like you're going to be 18 and this is not going to be the case anymore. By the time you're 13, this isn't going to be the case anymore. Sure. And so I sort of let him be bummed for a little while. And then I sent him out, sent him out. Good. And I, I texted we've got some friends in the neighborhood and they occasionally go for wanders. They call them. So Nate and Gavin went out with their friends, Evelyn and James and went for a wander. And Nate was so perked up by the time they got back because there's a little stream that leads to a park near us that, used to have a bridge across it so they could get to the park, but doesn't anymore. And it's just big enough and yucky enough that you're not going to walk through it, but it was frozen over. Oh, cool. And it wasn't frozen. Yeah. It wasn't quite frozen over enough that they felt like they could walk across it, but it was frozen over enough that they could throw rocks at it. And for anyone who's thrown a rock on like a long sort of streamy swampy piece of ice, it makes these cool laser blast sounds when you do that. And so they, they were gone for like 45 minutes and it's all of a 15 minute walk, 10 minute walk to get to this spot. So they were there for a while throwing rocks at ice nice. <laughs> and it perked them right up. And some of that's getting outside. Some of that's walking around and some of that is seeing friends. But, but I completely agree with you. It's like, just go outside and go, go be not in the house and do something. Yeah. Invest in some warm stuff. And depending on the age of your kids, you know, we don't, we don't give kids these days we don't give you know the credit that they deserve like if they get hot they'll take the stuff off um they'll unzip their jackets uh and if they get cold they'll zip it back up and if they don't know how then they'll just button it um or they'll come find you if it's really unbearable and so we, we also have to give them some experiences to be able to like figure this stuff out and give them that confidence you know we talk about games before they don't have to be you know a, a new bicep muscle it could just be like oh no i had a problem and we figured it out and if you argue with me about bringing a coat, I still don't want to see you for 20 minutes and you're not going to die in 20 minutes because you have a sweatshirt instead of a coat. 
Right. You're just going to be really, really cold. And you're not going to argue with me next time because you'll have learned that lesson. And if you fall in the river, it's a 10 minute walk. Yeah, true. And you, you're not going to die in 10 minutes. Yeah, you'll be fine. Because when I was a kid, all I did was hang out in the woods. I wish we had more woods near my house where I, that I live in now because yeah. I was in the woods all the time. I lost a boot in a swamp because the ice broke and in I went. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Good times. So yeah, I think you have to be, you know, in my, my book, there are 30 workouts that don't require any equipment that are kid friendly that you can do, but it doesn't have to be structured like that. Um, point in fact, like my two-year-old, it's unstructured. It's like, we got home. I threw him in the backyard. He wanted to go outside there. He, none of his, all of his stuff is, is in the porch area. So he couldn't get to it. And I just brought the groceries in he just ran around in the backyard for a few minutes and it was like, you know, a daily reset. And so uh, really helping, letting them figure that out is good. Put a footnote at the end of this. When we're, when we're also talking about how much exercise is, is good or bad, I often tell my parents to think about, think about a typical summer of their dad. So I tell that to a parent. Uh, what was a typical summer for your dad before he had to work? And usually they're like, he was outside. He was running around. Usually his mom was like, you know, his, uh, my grandma was like, uh, the sun is up, get outside. And I don't want to see you until it's dinner time. And we don't have to go to those extremes, but it's a pretty decent barometer for like, what's a limit, right? <laughs> like, don't go over that. Um, but if you can kind of get a little close to it, then you'll probably be fine. And also related to that, because if you're going outside, you might be seeing other kids. Right. Just have a mask. You're probably they're probably going to do it right. If as long as they are doing it right, most of the time when they're not in your sight, then they're probably going to do it right then, too. Yeah. Yeah. And if not, hopefully there's someone there that that is like, hey, put your mask on another adult or another kid that's, that's a little bit more mindful. Yeah. So how about the kids, the families that are kind of there at home? Right. They're just like, we're, they're not going out that much because there is that level of concern. And certainly there's those families out there and I'm not going to fault them at all. I'm kind of right on the line for that. What are some strategies for being at home and exercising? And I, I know in your book, there's plenty of them. You've got 30. So push up, sit ups, squats, jump rope. Any thoughts in that area aside from what's in the book? When I wrote a lot of these workouts, I was like, what can someone do in their room? Like mom's like, get out of the living room. Your sister's playing with her Legos and you're got a jump rope in there and you're destroying her stuff. It's like, I wonder if this kid could do this workout in his closet because mom and dad are trying to do work in the living room. They're working from home. So a lot of that satisfies that criteria. Um, but I also put in um, some good ideas of, of what to do out and about in a uh, bingo card at the end of the, the end of the book. And a lot of those things are like, get a hundred lunges in before lunch and just like lunge around the house. I don't know if you've ever done a hundred lunges. It gets your heart rate up pretty good. Do that. Um, go for a walk. And at the end of every, at the end of every block, do as many squats as you can do as many pushups as you can. And then just keep walking, maybe racing up and down the, your block. And how fast can you do it? Are there neighborhood kids or, or siblings that want to race you and want to beat you as a parent? Can we incentivize our kids to do that? I had, um, my best friend in, uh, growing up, his dad really wanted him to, to play soccer. And so the incentive was like, if you can juggle a ball 30 times, I'll buy you a new video game. And that bought the dad like two months 
of of my buddy Joey going outside and being like, "All right, I got to practice today because there's a new game coming out, and I really want it." <laughs> like, uh, so you know, an hour or, or two a day, he's out there just practicing, practicing. Um, so, can we incentivize this stuff? Um, the other thing that we can think about that I think is probably the most important thing is how are parents and kids doing this together? Because then it does become like one of these things that an ADHD is just like, this is just something that I have to do because I'm dumb or I suck or I need to do this. Um, especially if they're old enough to already have that narrative of that negative self-talk. And so if mom and dad are doing it with them, because this is just what we do as a family, then it's not really a, that big of a deal to, to the child. Yeah, I know when we exercise in the morning, the fact that I'm down there exercising with them helps. It gets them one to actually do it. And I've watched Gavin's push-up form improve as we go because cool. he kind of is checking to see if I'm noticing. And if I'm noticing, then it gets better. And, and other things too, right? Like his planks are better. His warrior pose is better. We, have, we do stations in my basement. So we have a treadmill, we have a total gym, and then we have exercise dice which are probably a good thing for listeners to know about yeah yeah it's just it's a 12 yeah 12 sided foam dice we've got four of them and what they do is they roll all four and then they pick two and they do those two exercises and they roll all four again and they pick two that picking helps them feel like they're they've got a little bit of control over it and that makes them more likely to do it i just had a thought a buddy of mine did this um he got one of those like like full-size jenga sets that's like five feet tall and then on Sharpie, they just wrote workouts on each block or like or like different movements, like do you know 10 burpees when you pull this block. That's another idea too, is, is I mean, that, that'll give you probably 30 minutes of, uh, of good time. Yeah, that's cool. And if, especially if everybody does it, right? Like yeah. you pull the block, it's not just that person doing 10 squats. It's everyone playing has to do 10 squats. Awesome. So getting everyone involved, because here's the other thing too. I, I always think long game, especially for our, our, our kids. I always say that my goal as, as a coach and as a counselor is for our kids to go, uh, my clients to go to college and say, um, here's my syllabus. When am I going to work out? If, if they say that, I know that I've done my job. And so to further instill that is mom and dad, we just worked out as a family. And so now I'm at college. Uh, when am I going to work out? This is just something that I've always done. When am I going to do that? And I, you know, I wouldn't beat my kids over the head with it. Uh, like my kids over the head of like, don't you feel better now? Now that we worked out, don't you feel better? Don't you feel better? It's good. Um, it might just be, how do you feel right now? Good. Okay. Let's go about our day. And maybe next month I'll ask you again uh, to see if you have further insight of like, yeah, after I work out, I'm, I just am always in a better mood. I'm just happier. The day's easier after I've worked out. Yeah. And that is what I tell myself. Prior to December, um, obviously we didn't have a babysitter, but we have a family friend that was COVID tested and she's sitting for us a few uh, days a week. And um, prior to that, I was up at 4.30 so that I could go to the gym, to my gym, work out and then coach because I don't have to watch my son or feel guilty if he's still asleep. And so that sucks. But to our you know global point for this episode, I'm just a better father I'm a better businessman, a better counselor, I'm a better coach when I've worked out, a better human being when I've worked out. And that is what gets me out of the bed when the alarm goes off and it's 4.30 and it's like, oh, the sun is not going to be up for three hours, but I need to get this done. Yeah, I've been coming around to that 
recently because I, I definitely got derailed by COVID and I'm trying to get back on the rails, not the least of which because of that black belt coming up. But I've, I was for a while now, my evening has been, uh, we usually do like, we'd have dinner and then we watch like a family show of some sort. Cool. And then my wife reads to the boys and then they brush their teeth and stuff. And then I read to them. So it's like, it's a long bedtime routine, but it it's, keeps them feeling balanced and safe. And f- when my wife was reading to them for a, most of COVID, I've been sort of like either panicking and trying to do last minute business stuff or like playing Zelda or something and, or, or just zoning out on a YouTube video, like not nothing all that useful. And so thanks to Phil, my sensei, <laughs> now I'm, uh, I'm, I'm hopping on the treadmill yeah. at, at the, like Amy goes to read to them and I'm going down to be on the treadmill. I can zone out and watch a YouTube video on the treadmill if I need to. And I'm noticing that that's making the evenings easier when I do it. And I'm not always doing it, but I'm like three times a week and eventually it'll be seven. And I am more able to read to the boys. I have more sort of patience and, and wherewithal to do things afterwards it's not affecting my ability to go to sleep, which is one of the things that I was concerned about. I was like, I hope it doesn't wake me up, but it's not. So it was useful for me to figure out that I had that window where I could hop on the treadmill and get 20 minutes of walking in. The other advantage that it has is Nate sometimes takes forever to get his teeth brushed and do the right before bed processing. And he uses the bathroom in the basement, which is where the treadmill is. So he comes down and he gets one more touch from me that doesn't feel obnoxious. It doesn't, it doesn't come across like I'm chasing him down because I'm already there. So he comes down and I'm like, all right, bud, how much time do you need? And more often he's saying 15 minutes now. It used to be like half an hour, 45 minutes. He would just face <laughs> yeah. out while brushing his teeth. Um, but he's on point and that allows our evening to go a little more fluidly, which is good because the longer Gavin takes, or I'm sorry, the longer Nate takes, the more likely Gavin is to spiral because Gavin's got that, I'm waiting. He brushes his teeth much faster than Nate does. He doesn't space out and stuff. He just brushes and is done. And three minutes later, we're good to go. And so Gavin would spiral at that time. He would start to get antsy and like impatient. Yeah. Just waiting for Nate to come back upstairs and that nothing to do because we don't know when Nate's done. So it's helped with the whole process. So I just recommend to parents to look at when you might have gaps to do some exercising and then pay attention to how that is benefiting you emotionally, physically. You might get some side effects like I did with being able to just say, hey, Nate, how much time do you need? Uh, another another piece that I've noticed is I hold a lot of my stress and anxiety in my back. Like That's kind of where it lives. So I have learned that if I exercise my back more in the morning, it's tired by the evening and that makes it easier for me to fall asleep. Cool. Cause there's just less tension there. Cause I'm tired. So any of those things that there, it might be useful for that, that those are all reasons, I guess, to start exercising and paying attention to it. Yeah. And, and another thing, you know, full transparency, my workout routine has changed more in the last nine months than it probably has uh, since I started working out. And what I mean by that is when, when we went to, to a, a lockdown here in Virginia, I told my wife then that night, I was like, I'm going to start working out seven days a week again because I don't have to coach and I can get up at the same time uh, as I would if I was coaching and work out and be home before you leave for work. And I did that for like three months and, and I had not done that 
since my son was born September 30th. I had a powerlifting meet like December 12th. Um, so in that stretch of, of span, those, you know, a couple months, that was the last time that I'd done that where I worked out consistently for seven days a week because I was training for something. And so I was like, I'm going to do that again. When am I going to have the opportunity to do this ever again, to train seven days a week hard. And kind of like what you said earlier, you hit that wall, the stress creeps in and I'm just like, I can't do this for another three months. And so like, how do I figure this out? Okay. What if I do 15 minutes of cardio twice a week? And then the other three days I'm just doing weights. I'm just lifting. And then I did that for three months and then more stress settles in and we need to change the plan again. We, we bought a house and we moved. Uh, so I guess I'll, I'll back off on the businesses and just train uh, when my son is napping. And then that's what we did. And then it got to the point where it was like, look, I need to make some gains. Like I need to, to come out of this year um, better in some way. And so now uh, for the last two months, I've been getting up at, at like I said, 4.30 and I'll probably do that until the end of the year. Just because it's like, that's what you have to do. That's, and it's okay if it changes and you have to, to switch things up as it comes. The, the thing that we can't switch up is just not working out. To me, it's just as simple as like, I guess I'll just not take my anti-anxiety medication because I don't know, I'm too busy um, or because of COVID. It's like that doesn't track at all. Awesome. No, that's a good point. And, and thinking of it as part of a treatment plan is really helpful. That's, I know you've got me being like, I need to approach this in that way with the boys and, and see if that can get some more exercise out of them. And scheduling it too. I mean, you're a business owner, you know, by 8 a.m., like the emails are going off. And so it's like, if I don't schedule this in, it's, it might, it's probably not going to get done or something else that might be a little bit more enticing will come up and I'll do that instead. And so for me, it's like, this is just when I'm going to work out. Everyone knows this is when I'm going to work out. And, um, for me, for the longest time, it was like, look, if I can get it done before anyone's awake, then, then no one can bother me. But then even on days where I work out at night, I, I am shutting my phone off, like no notifications. Uh, because if it's five, six o'clock at night, I can't do anything about it anyways. Like, it's just a distraction. I can't solve your problem at six o'clock at night. Yeah. Awesome. So just being mindful of time. Do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience? I think it needs to be scheduled. Uh, it needs to be planned. Uh, if, you, if you'd like, here's actually something that a lot of people have been doing uh, as I've done here lately. Uh, I've had people just schedule phone consultations through my practice and be like, hey, I'm trying to train for this thing, but I also have ADHD. Can we talk about programming for 15 minutes? And I've done that and that's been super helpful and not anything that I've ever advertised. It's just a couple of people have just thought about, you know, doing that. Um, so if you need suggestions about where to start, what programs are good, who can you trust in terms of writing your workouts? Uh, feel free to email me. I'm happy to be that resource. And uh, especially if you're, I have a lot of college students that are like, I don't want to do this, these exercises that you have in your book because they're for kids and I'm an adult and I want to, you know, get jacked. What can I do to satisfy both my need to, you know, walk sideways through doors, um, but also, you know, get medication from ADHD. We just tweak some programs a little bit uh, based on what, what we know about what works for ADHDers and, uh, and then they're off to the races. So keep experimenting. Just, I mean, I, I don't know if I can stress that enough. I probably can't. Um, it's just like medication. Like you don't take one thing of Adderall and like, all right, I found it. Like sometimes you have to experiment with what works. So continue to experiment 
but also give yourself some some time to see if it if it does work. Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at adhdessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, adhdessentials.com, and visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.